On this week's episode of Studio Inter, we'll be reviewing the game against Gladbach, we'll be previewing the Champions League decider against Shakhtar, reviewing the Bologna game, previewing Cagliari game, this week's Moji, Moratti and Frog, and much, much more, everything here on Studio Inter, on your Sempre Inter, Benvenuti, bentornati to another edition of Studio Inter. I'm your host, Nimatale Ruzzari, whose voice is a little bit hoarse uh, because his uh, my local team is finally back in the, what we in Sweden say, the elite of Swedish football, meaning in the top three tiers. Dramatic away win on Sunday night in a snow, sleet, rain-covered Otsidabari at, uh, at 5 p.m. I was freezing my beep beep off um but we did it we're back after 10 years so my voice is uh, a little bit um <laughs> a little bit uh worn out but we will do a show as always i'm going to introduce our panelists um semprint.com's uh, preview writer mr mohammed nasar good evening everyone good to have you uh we're also joined by a good friend from london mr william beckman good evening nima i'm desperate to give you a throat lozenge but um, vocals don't work like that, so uh, I'll wish you the best and uh, stop there. Thanks, Will. And we're also joined by two mics, not one, but two. The first one, our good friend Michael Gallo from Canada. Hello, everyone. And just as we sit down to do this podcast, I go to put on the Fiorentina Genoa game in the background, but it was not available. All I could find was Hoffenheim and Augsburg. So that game in Italian commentary, by the way. So that game in the <laughs> background uh, as we do our great podcast here. That's awesome. Um, we're also joined by Reverend Mike, as I like to call him, the Athletics, Mr. Mike Pialucci. How are you, Mike? Oddly hopeful about all things Inter, which is not where I thought I'd be. Today, <laughs> but, uh, here we are. <laughs> And we're also joined by a very special uh, guest. He's uh, the DFL World Feed co-commentator uh, for the Bundesliga, uh, Mr. Chris Williams. Thank you. Welcome, welcome to the show. Thanks very much. Um, I, I probably feel like I should apologise for uh, the Hoffenheim versus Augsburg game that you're probably going to watch. <laughs> um, well, 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 it's okay. I'll take any type of any type of soccer, no matter what. So I'm good with it. I mean, if you're still saying that at halftime, fair play to you. <laughs> well, let's get to um, more important matters or uh, matters that concern Inter. I mean, the game against Gladbach. I want to first. I want to hear your thoughts on that, Chris. Uh, it was a crazy game uh, for 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 I get for everyone who who watched it, uh, or for or Inter fans call just another Wednesday. Uh, so, um, but but I'm keen to hear your thoughts on that. I mean, it was so much back and forth and. Uh, Gladbach were very annoyed uh, at the end because of the result. I'm, I'm keen to hear what you, what you make of the game. Yeah, I thought it was a really interesting game to watch. And it's the sort of game that we want to see in the Champions League week in, week out. Lots of attacking football, plenty of defensive errors, uh, midfield battles. I thought it had it all. It was a, it was a really good game. Um, yeah, I suppose we're going to get through to the, the disallowed goal at the very end. Um Obviously, Gladbach were up in arms. Not sort of goal you see disallowed much in the Bundesliga. I'm going to be honest with you. The interference um, in play or the interference with a goalkeeper. But 
it's the sort of thing that I've certainly seen in the rest of Europe. I've seen it in the Champions League before. I've seen it in the Premier League. It's probably happened in Serie A as well. Um, I think that Gladbach have pulled themselves back into it and they are probably just a little bit miffed at the end of the day that they couldn't get the result that they wanted because you know it's happened to them a couple of times already in this particular Champions League group where they've not quite got the result they felt they deserved. So bar their Shakhtar results, I think they were hoping to get something back. But I mean, they've set themselves up with a, a great chance now. For sure. Uh, I'm going to hand you over to Mo. Did you have a question for Chris? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> uh, we were talking uh, offline before uh, before recording about uh, the potential biscotto. Um, is uh, and and I guess uh, any of the other uh, panelists will probably ask you about that. But I wanted to ask you: uh, there's a, a lot of uh, on podcasts and media, Italian media and uh, elsewhere. There's a lot of uh, talk about the various permutations and the various uh, potential uh, ambitions that different teams might have. Has there been any talk in, in, in German media about Inter possibly not wanting to draw and wanting to throw away the match, should it come to that towards the end, in order to avoid uh, going into the Europa League? Has this been a scenario that you've heard discussed or has, has, it, uh, has it just been focused on, on the Gladbach uh, versus uh, Real Madrid match? Um, yeah, it's been completely focused on the on the Gladbach game, to be honest, the German media. Um, whether... Whether Inter don't want to step into the Europa League is probably a decision for for yourselves. But I mean, from Gladbach, they're they're quite happy to to either be in the Europa League or to go forward in the Champions League. Obviously, it's the first time they've been in the Champions League for four years. Um, I personally don't think they've balanced the domestic um, rigors with the with the European ones, especially this season of all seasons where the games are coming thick and fast. They have done quite well in Europe so far, but they're um, domestic form sort of suffered a bit. I feel that for Gladbach going forward, um, if they want to get back into the Champions League next season, I don't know whether they can sustain European football in the new year, February onwards. I think it might hamper them. Um, it certainly hampered their league position already. So um, everything's focused on will they get a result against Real Madrid really and will they go forward and, and how that will ultimately affect them in the Bundesliga. Um, Will, did you have a question for Chris? Yeah, it was um, sort of leads on quite nicely from the the, the Real Madrid, um, the previewing the Real Madrid match. Um, incidentally, I've just been looking up the origin of the word biscotto uh, while we were talking there, and apparently it comes from horse racing. So I've learned something already uh, this evening. But anyway, um, <laughs> with this with this Gladbach Real Madrid match, um, obviously I think. You, you could make an argument, Chris, that, that Marco Rose is almost in a, in a trickier position than, than Zinedine Zidane in terms of preparing this match. Because whereas, you know, Real Madrid um, need to go for the win to be certain and only in a certain um, case would they be happy to go through with a draw, Gladbach know that a draw is good enough because they'd be guaranteed to have two, at least Inter and, and Real Madrid behind them. So, you know, do you think that's going to maybe uh, impact the way that he sets this game up because um, you know I, I don't see Gladbach as a team that necessarily would play for a cautious match um, would, would play a cautious match naturally but it's often quite difficult to prepare a match when um, uh, when you know that you've got two results out of three available you, well, what sort of um, what sort of approach do you expect because all the talk has been about Real Madrid certainly in the Italian media about whether they're going to um, you know, screw Inter over, but there are two teams in this in this match. I wondered what you thought about the way they might approach this. 
Yeah, Gladbach are a very attacking side under Marco Rosa. Obviously, came from um, Red Bull Salzburg, so they've got that predefined way of playing, which is um, quick transition, high energy, very fast football, um, front to back, as quick as they can. And he sort of brought that over to um, Gladbach. And yeah, they they don't really know how to play for a draw. So I'm not sure if they would. I mean, for instance, they started the season off quite poorly, were pretty much wiped um, by Borussia Dortmund, recovered from that and have drawn a couple of games. Most notably, um, the, the worst game, I think, for them to draw was their, their one against Augsburg at home, who, um, aside in Bavaria, mid to low table, you would expect um, a side like Gladbach to be picking up all three points there. So I think if um, Marco Rosa goes into this game um, against Real Madrid in their second stadium as such, in their academy stadium, if he goes for that draw, I think they might get turned over because they don't really know how to play that non-attacking way. So if they if they look defensive and they decide to play defensive, I don't really know if they've got the the ability to do that just on the flick of a switch and to do it against a team. I know Real Madrid are struggling, but it's still Real Madrid and, and they're a very good side with some excellent players. So I think he will go out and try and win this. Um, I mean, it's not that long ago that um, you know these two teams played at home Gladbach thought they should have beaten Real Madrid and, and they let that game slip in the very dying stages again. Um, it's been a bit of a key with, with Gladbach in the Champions League when they have dropped points and uh, they will want to get one over. And of course, they'll have seen what Shakhtar have done and they battered Shakhtar over two games, 10-0. So um, they will really fancy their chances with this. Um, uh, Mike Gallo, did you have a question for Chris? Yeah, hey Chris. Uh, just, I'm, I'm wondering how many how many games have you commentated on with Gladbach this year, and and if you're comfortable in talking about maybe how Lazzaro has looked for them this year, uh, being on loan from Inter. Yeah, so I've um, I've not done that many live games this year. So what we do, um, we do a highlights package. So every single week with Amazon, um, we, we run a, a highlights package. And yeah, I mean front to back, they have been um, pretty good throughout, but that maybe has been the whole um, of the team has been that way. I mean, if you're looking at players who, who have stood out, it's it's more the it's more the attacking players, really. Um, I mean, Lazaro's he's, he's played there, but he's not been the, he's not maybe been as, as influential as the likes of Thuram or player, etc., or even Hoffman before he got injured. But yeah, I mean, he's, he's definitely a player that uh, Marco Rosa's looked at, he's utilised, he seems to have fitted in when he's played. Um, you know, whether he's going to be someone they would look at taking on full time, I'm not 100% sure. I'm not even 100% sure whether Inter would want him to do that. But, you know, he's only played five times this season in, in the Bundesliga and he got his goal. Um, I, I'm not 100% sure you'll see that much of him because he's only played a bit part in the Champions League. But, I mean, he's doing okay. Um, whether he would break in to the Gladbach side full time on a regular basis going forward, I'm not completely sure. And that's going to depend on a lot of things for Gladbach, although they're not in a financial trouble as such. Um, they have um, been affected quite badly by by the lack of fans. Their gate receipts are, are a high percentage of their earning as well as their shop day income, their match day income. It's probably one of the biggest that they, they get. So, I would say it would be a stretch for um, for him to stay on after uh, this summer, um, unless the two clubs can come to a deal. 
Uh, Mike Pielucci, did you have a question for Chris? Yeah, Chris. Um, I feel like watching this match, just knowing what I do about Gladbach, that I'm almost getting a glimpse of the future in some senses, right? You know, I'm just there's so many talents on the squad and Turam and Playa and Zakaria, you know, to name a few uh, that clearly have bright futures. And like you said, you know, maybe Gladbach isn't in, uh, you know, I don't know if the condition is so dire, you know, come the summer that they have to sell, but it feels like there are a lot of players on that squad that will move on to bigger and better at some point. If you having, you know, watched this team, know this team, if you could bet on one of these guys to become a household name uh, on the international level, which one of them would you really, you know, put all your weight behind in terms of becoming that star level player, you know, maybe elsewhere in Germany or just on a bigger stage in another country? Well, that's a really, it's a good question and a hard question because they, they have got a, a lot of good players at the moment. Um, there are a lot of options. But I think, yeah, yeah, there is a lot of options. For me, there's two really that come to mind and that is Alessana player and Marcus Taram, um, both forward-minded players with Taram playing more of a left-sided winger role. But those two um, have set up a, a really good partnership, not just this season, but last season as well. They worked very, very well together. It's pretty much those guys that fired um, glad back into the Champions League. I was lucky to go and see them uh, play a couple of times last season live in the stadium when I was still able to travel um, into the stadium. And and yeah, they they were a joy to watch. And and one that one particular game against Mainz, they tore them apart. And I mean, they do have a, a quite a few other players. There's Florian Neuhaus, who's a central midfielder, who um, you would expect to to become more of a household name as well. Um, Brielem Bolo, when when he does score his goal when he finally gets his goals they tend to be quite spectacular so i mean he's another player you can keep a hold of um or keep a hold of in your mind but yeah some of the the players that they've got there um i would have expected maybe jan sommer the, the goalkeeper to move on at some point and that's not to say he's at the wrong club it's just there are some which you would call bigger clubs in inverted commas, I think you would benefit from him. Borussia Dortmund especially need a new goalkeeper. And I think Jan Sommer would stop their list. Um, but for Gladbach, it's, it's it's them getting themselves into Champions League year on, year out, because you're quite right. Some of the players that they've got will um, be tempted to go elsewhere. If, if other teams in Germany, probably Leipzig, Dortmund and Bayern, if they were to come in for them, I think they would move. And then other teams in Europe, certainly teams in Italy, if they came in for them, they would be tempted. Um, likewise in England as well, and probably Spain. So um, it will be key to Gladbach to take to, to keep hold of these players. But what they have done in the past previously is when they have had to let go players go, um, and Torgan Hazard is probably one of the biggest they've had to let go in the last couple of seasons. They have replaced them quite well. So they are quite good on the recruitment stage. For sure, uh, for sure. So, but if we look forward to the game uh, itself, what do you think is going to happen? I mean, in Italy, they, you know, they're talking about the biscotto that, that Inter, uh, that, that, that they'll just draw this game. Uh, obviously, Real Madrid have to win it to be 100% sure of going through. A draw is enough for Gladbach. Um, so, what, what do you think is going to happen? Well, I think Real Madrid are quite desperate um, to, to get through because of the poor performances that they've shown. Um, not just in the Champions League, but also in their domestic league. And if they go all out attack, um, Marco Rosa comes from from a stable of of football where he knows how to deal with that. They can defend um, well and they can certainly hit on the break. So we could see um, a situation where Rail go all out, guns blazing, and Gladbach are able to soak up that pressure and hit them on the break. And 
it's, I think it'll be quite interesting if that happens early on and Gladbach are, are able to get an early goal. Um, I think we will see where Real Madrid are in their circle of life at the moment, whether they collapse or whether they're able to recover from it. I think if they Gladbach go behind uh, and they go behind early and they get stung by a couple of quick goals in quick succession, I think maybe they themselves might then look at is this really worth it for the rest of this competition for us? Are we going to go into the Europa League? Are we going to drop out? What's going to happen? How is this then going to affect us? So um, they are playing well and they have had a, a few good results of late. But as I say, they're, they're currently seventh in the league. And I think the key for them is to finish fourth again. But they'll have to balance that off with, you know, in the boardroom, how much did they lose by not getting into the final stages around 16 and above? And, and what's the balance of that if they were then to fight, make those final stages and then finished outside the top four? What would the financial implications be? So I don't think it's as straightforward as um, I don't think it's as straightforward for Glasbach as they'd like it to be, really. But I can see it being a very close game. Now I've said that it's probably going to be nil nil. <laughs> probably. Yeah, and, and Inter winning and uh, all celebrations in Spain and tears in Milan. That would be the most Inter thing ever. Um, if people want to follow you on social media uh, and if you've got something that you want to plug the, 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 that's coming out, then the floor is yours. Oh, thanks very much. Well, yeah, if, if anybody wants to follow me on social media, I'm mostly active on Twitter, which is um, Chris78Williams. And outside of that, if you've got any interest in the Bundesliga and you've got yourself um, an Amazon capable player, just ask Alexa to play the Bundesliga and ask for the <laughs> highlight show and you can hear me on it. Sounds great. We'll definitely do that. Thank you so much for coming on, Chris. Cheers, guys. Thanks for having me on. Take care. Right. Um, let's, I mean, the game itself, uh, to me, um, I think we pretty much covered most of that, most of most of the things, the talking points there. I thought Inter looked good again. Uh, the 3-5-2 really suits Inter. Um, they were they were lucky with the, with some of the calls. Uh, not so much as the calls, but some of the, the, the so finally, some things going Inter's way, such as, you know, him being offside because he did interfere in play. Um, but uh, as as opposed to earlier this season when things have not gone into his way. So these things always tend to even out. But having said that, I, I still, you know, last week, M M uh, Mo, you said 25% chance Inter go through. Is it still 25% for you? Yeah, I think so. I think so. I think uh, when it's out of your hands, uh, then it's out of your hands. So I, I don't think, I, I think there's a very high probability that we're going to beat uh, uh, Shakhtar. That's, that's, for me, that's not the question. The question is the result in Madrid, you know, and, and, and uh, this is the position that we're in. And if it's not in your hands, I still reckon there's about a 25% chance. It's, it's good that we crossed the hurdle uh, last week. Uh, it was very important, of course, because it would have been a 0% chance today. But I, I don't think our odds are any better because it's still not in our control. Mm, for sure. Uh, what about you, Will? Where are you? Um, no, I would increase the odds slightly because I think in theory, on paper at least, the, the, the game away to Gladbach is harder than the one at home to Shakhtar. Obviously, this is Inter, so sometimes logic doesn't apply. But I think of the two, I was more sceptical about Inter's ability to win that match uh, last week. So I was very pleasantly surprised by the performance that was, um, that was offered up. Um, deserved win, despite all the... The, uh, the suffering that they put us through at the end. As far as qualification is concerned, uh, I think there's a distinct, there's certainly a chance. Stranger things have happened, um, but you know, I I don't 
I, I, I'm struggling to see a scenario where that match in Spain doesn't end in a draw, if I'm completely honest. Um, because while we, we, we can all agree that it would be ridiculous for Real Madrid in particular to start the match with that intention, um, there is a very good possibility that we're into to be, you know, 2-0 two nil, two nil or 3-0 nil up with 20 minutes left and they're still one all because not because they've tried to manufacture it, but just because they're two teams that have happened to, you know, cancel each other out, which is more than possible. Um, then, you know, they're not going to take undue risks to search for the win. You know, Real Madrid could, in theory, want to finish top because that'll give them a favourable more favorable draw in the last 16. But given the, the mess they're in, I don't think they can really, um, you know, afford to be sort of getting ideas above their own station. They'll be happy, I think, just to get through, given some of the performances they've put in, in this Champions League so far this season. Um, so I would say... I'd, certainly below 50%, I would say maybe 35, 40%. Of course, the you know the, the most inter scenario possible would be, you know, that the draw does happen and we don't win our match against Shakhtar. So uh, that is uh, certainly not a scenario that um, to to exclude. But um, but that would that, that that would mean I mean if if Shakhtar Donetsk uh, if I'm not if I'm not mistaken they've got seven points and Real Madrid have seven points if Shakhtar yeah. draw if Shakhtar draw and Real draw then Shakhtar and Gladbach are through because yeah. they beat Real Madrid in both of those games so 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 the, I think the only thing that speaks for uh, for Inter is the fact that Real Madrid absolutely have to win now uh, uh, in unless, order to be unless sure unless we win yeah. Yeah, exactly. So the thing exactly. Is, this is this is the madness about this, right? What really needs to happen is we need Pazza Inter to go through, right? Because if we're three 0 up at half time, Real Madrid and yeah. are not going to come, not going to um, you know go over their own halfway line in the second half. We need to do what happened against Tottenham two years ago, or what happened in in any of most of Inter's European matches. We need to be one 0 down with you know a minute left, and then we need to turn <laughs> it around in the last two minutes. That's actually the most in theoretically the most sort of efficient way to get this done but obviously that's not it's not you can't plan a match like that so we're mm. kind of um you know we're in a very difficult position although you know we just need to win so maybe we're not i don't know it's a, it's the most inter scenario ever and uh i think we'll end up third if i'm being honest <laughs> yeah I, I i that is that is the the feeling i have as well although um i or actually let me let me be honest my feeling is we're fourth or second I don't see one of I don't see us finishing third. I think it's uh, it's it's fourth or second. It's it's one of the two. Uh, what about you? Fine. Yeah, yeah, which would be fine. Not third. I don't. We don't need more Europa League. We don't need more Belgium in January in our lives. No, we, we don't need do more Ludo Goretz. No more Ludo. The good news is Ludo Goretz are already out. Of the yeah, exactly. <laughs> Ludo Goretz. <laughs> and no more Ludo Goretz. We play. It's like a tradition with Inter playing Ludo Goretz in February. Um, so, well, now, well, what do you think, Michael? How, how, how many? You know, what do you, what do you think is going to happen, Michael Gao? Michael Gao is going to say which Mike? You got to be specific. But yeah, <laughs> um, taking over. I've got I've got my odds at forty nine point nine percent that we, we we go through. Uh, I've actually just I that's just that's thinking. really specific. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not I'm not confident enough to give it a 50-50, so I'm putting at 49.9% to kind of prepare myself to, for them not to go through. That's kind of why. But man, I've already like listening to Will. He's like, he's just like, I don't see how the other match is not a draw. And I'm kind of thinking to myself, he's you know, I I'm looking for that scenario too. I don't see it. It's so much so where I actually went on the other other game, and I put some money on the draw just to give myself an emotional hedge to prepare myself wow. for it. Um, just not to root for, it, but just just to do it, just to 
you know, have my have my brain just not really focused on that match, just focused on Inter. Um, but I just I look at the last two years in Champions League, and I felt confident going into match day six, the last two seasons. Uh, two years ago, we had to win at home against PSV, and we couldn't beat PSV. Last yeah. year, we mm. had to play Barcelona. Barcelona did play. They I think they rostered what? Not even not even a full line, half lineup maybe. It was a B and, team. Yeah, and it was their B team playing, and they couldn't even beat Barca's B team. And I I thought we were in good shape to win both of those matches on match day six. And we are in, in we're in probably the same shape right now as we were in I'd say two two years ago against PSV playing at home against the worst team in the group at home, and you need to get a win. And I'm not saying Shakhtar is the worst team in the group. I'm just saying like if that's who you want to play at home right now, that's probably the team in the group, and they've got a great shot to get to three points. And I'm trying to convince myself, okay, this year is different. I just but thought I'm, I'm not there I, yet. Can I just say? I think it is different. I think this. I think. I think the situation is different because we don't have it in our own hands. Last year, I think that was this year. Sorry, that the previous two seasons. You're right. We played a PSV team that were already out, and a Barcelona team that were already through. And everybody and their dog expected Inter to get the job done because we were the only team on the pitch with motivation. Yeah. And exactly. and what happened was what's happened several times throughout the last years, which is that Inter couldn't handle a scenario where they were heavy favourites, and they had their destiny in their own hands. You know, the other game that springs to mind is that Inter Sassuolo match where everyone was talking about how we had to win 6-0 and then Politano and Berardi did us and then we almost missed out on the Champions League. You know, that's that unfortunately I think is still a defect that we have. The the inability to handle the pressure of having things under our control. And I wonder if the fact that it's not entirely in our hands may actually free them up a little bit and give them a um you know take a little bit of the pressure off because they know that even if they win, um, it's not it's not necessarily going to be enough. And I think on that note also, the, the other difference this year is that for once, our opponents have something to play for as well. Shakhtar can still go through. And in theory, they're in a better position than us. So yeah. they're not going to be, they're not, they're not turning up as a sacrificial lamb. So that will, it, that will sort of um, boost Inter's concentration as well. So I'm hanging on to, as far as Inter's match is concerned, like that, those are the two things that I'm hanging on. Now, I wish that it weren't like that. I wish that we were able to handle easier matches better than hard matches but I fear that that is still a tendency that we have so given that that's the tendency we have I think it might help us that we're not in necessarily a a straightforward scenario where we know that we go through if we win so that's my positive spin on that yeah I I understand what we'll say well I totally agree with what you're saying I, I I'm not disagreeing I agree with what you're saying uh if you're digging into it I think you've got the right points and and why this is different. I totally, I totally agree. I, I'm just, I was just kind of looking at, you know, situations where we were heavy favorites and bang, bang, bang in these three years. And again, we're in the heavy favorite. But again, I, I, I totally see your point, and and I, I agree with you. Yeah, for sure. Um, uh, I agree with you too. I mean, for me, I just from the way I look at it like this, if 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 Inter are, I want Inter to control this game. I want Inter to go into this like I want to, I want a nil nil. Uh, or I want to draw going into second half. Uh, I don't want Inter to do to do, do to Conte to come out and like mop the floor with Shakhtar in the first 20 minutes and it's three four nil up. And then though they they're not stupid, 
Real Madrid. You know, they're, 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 they're not going to hurt themselves. They're just going to, you know, pass the ball around for 90 minutes if they see that Inter are going to go gung-ho. So I want Inter to control this game. I do not want Inter to lead going into the second half. If, if you know, I want it to be a draw and, and, the, and, and have Real Madrid put that, to have that pressure on Real Madrid because they have to win. Because if they continue to draw, I prefer Inter lose and Shakhtar go through than have Real, than, than have Real Madrid go through because I, I I just cannot stand the notion that they they draw uh, and play like that. So I yes I'm petty. I'd rather throw the game and then and, and finish last <laughs> because the, the, than have than help Real Madrid go through and Zinedine bloody Zidane. So yeah, yeah I mean, cannot stand. And if that, that happens. If, that, if if they're drawing and we're winning, then I think we should just out of pettiness put two goals in our own in our own net. Yeah, in the last exactly. Five to put Shakhtar exactly, <laughs> exactly. Put just to mess Europa with League. them. Imagine Real Madrid in the Europa League. That would be exactly. Abuse. Can I just correct something I said earlier? You're right, Neil. What I meant was the scenario I'm envisaging is where Inter have the opportunity to go through by winning and they don't. So obviously in that scenario, it would be if if there's a if there's a winner in. You know, Gladbach. So, the, so the, the bottle job scenario is if one of them has won and Inter don't win. That's what I meant to say. Because obviously, if they draw, we're out. Whatever. So that was about ten minutes ago. So everyone's probably forgotten that. But yeah. <laughs> I wish the games were at different times, eh? Like, why couldn't I, I'm just no. not realistic? No, you don't just want different times. No. Have, did you no, see no, no, the 1982 no. World Cup? <laughs> yeah. No. 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 Different times is bad. And I mean, ultimately, look, I, I think both of you guys make really compelling points, and it's such an inter psychodrama that we could sit here and tie ourselves into knots about which. Which idea, you know, why we should feel better about this, why we shouldn't feel good about this, when in reality this team is fourth place in a group that they should clearly be in the top two. And that's so very inter that we are having this scenario right here. But either way, I think before we even, you know, I give my opinion of what they're gonna do, let's let's just let's just say it. You pay Antonio Conte to win this match. You make twelve million euros net a year, you win this match. They paid him Look, this man is not a tactical genius, okay? He's not going to change his tactics and find some new way to do things that nobody's done. It. His big tactical move is to go back to the other three-man defense formation that he's been using before January this year, right? You pay him to be mentally tough to when you're, you're a situation with your backs against the wall and you need a win that he gets the win. So no matter how the other match plays out, no matter whether Inter wins in the first minute or they win in the 90th minute, you are paying him to win this match. And that's really what I'm looking for here. I, you know, I, I, I do think Nima's probably right. I, it seems third place is less likely than fourth or second. But no matter what the result is, even if they end up in the Europa League and I'm rolling my eyes and I'm going to hate every second of it and it's a waste of time, I'm still going to be more pissed if they don't win. Because then at that point, what are we doing here? You know, I feel like every week we could sit here and have a false positive about, oh, Conte got it working this time. Well, in right now, Inter do have momentum. But you know what? If they lose tomorrow, even if it doesn't materially affect too many things in the bigger picture with Europe, because this team clearly isn't going to win the Champions League or something, it does make me sit there and go, okay, well, what are we paying the guy for if it's a big match and you need a win and they have momentum and he succeeded in going back to the formation and the style play he wants and they still can't win? That just adds more questions to the bigger picture. Right. As far as tomorrow goes... I can't believe I'm going to say this, guys, but I think they go through. I, yeah. I just, yeah. I think, no, you I see, I, I'm with you on this. I think so as well. I think that this is, um, this is one of those situations where everything has gone so because Inter are not Pazza, they're bipolar under Antonio right. Conte. I mean, he's the most uns, him, his, his 
crazy energy because I think he is a tactical genius. But the, 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 you know, there's a thin line between genius and and lunacy. Like I just want to say, tactically, Michael, tactically Michael not ja- genius. You know, if, if you compare Michael Jackson in 1984, who introduced Moonwalk. <laughs> To the same guy 30, 40 years later who looked like a crazy white woman dressed like Captain Crunch moonwalking on the roof of a car outside of court turning up two hours late. Like, you see, that, you know, it, can, it swings pretty quickly both ways. And I, I think right now we're, we're Comte is more in his moonwalk 1984 period uh, after starting the season like the crazy white woman. So, I, I you know, I, I think that's where we are right now. I think he goes through and I think Inter go all the way to the final. And I said this before, this, is, this will be so weird. They're not going to win it. They'll go to the final, and they'll just produce one madness after another. And and it wouldn't surprise me. I don't think Inter will win it, but it wouldn't surprise me one bit if Inter somehow managed to go through tomorrow and went to the final after that. There's, like, that would be so Inter. I mean, I'm not going to go that far. But I sit here and I go back to, okay, well, what would be the, what would be the most 2020 Inter outcome? Uh, well, the year that we sit here and we're all snakebitten and we think it won't happen is when it does happen. And if you take a bigger picture step back, right – it's funny how those of us in the vortex of this crazy club week in, week out, you know, all of us on this podcast, whenever we're on, it's just, it's never easy and it's always exhausting. But then it's funny sometimes when you take a look at what other people think, right? I was like, I was on 538 the other week and I was just, you know, a couple days ago going into this last weekend's matches and I was looking at the probability odds of Inter in the Serie A. They are the strong favorite for second place behind Milan right now. If you told me, that this team would finish second going into this weekend, I'd be like, no way, absolutely not, because I've seen too much. But if you take a bigger picture step back and you look and you look at the analytics and you look at everything, it's not always as bad as we think it is when we're in the vortex. And I look big picture and I say, okay, the two best teams in this group by far talent-wise need wins to be safe, right? We could sit here and say, well, what will Real Madrid do in the 80th minute? Well, it's not like Zidane is going to yell in the 80th minute to his players, play differently in the heat of a match. They're going to try to go out and win and not leave anything to chance. I look at Inter, we've talked about this, you know, as Nima said, it seems like we're in the good period of Conte right now. They have momentum. They're playing the way that they seem to play best under him in the 3-5-2. They're at home. I think they're both going to win. I just, sometimes it's not as hard as we make it out to be. And you know what? Maybe I'm crazy. And maybe next week we're on here and I'm just saying I'm an idiot again because this club is just this club. But I'm sitting here thinking, you know what? They have momentum. The two teams that need to win are at home. And Inter know this Shakhtar Donetsk team better than anyone. Like you want to play Donetsk right now more than either of the other two, not just because they're the least talented, but because Inter have seen them between the Europa League and now so many times over the last couple months. I feel like this is going to work. And I don't think they go to the final. I think they go out in the knockout stage to whoever they play. No. But that's fine. But that's Inter. It's bipolar. It's it's hell or hell. Like, there's no in-between with this team. It's like either – it's like Will always says about Conte's teams being marching bands. This is more true than ever with Inter. Either it clicks from minute one or it's a shit show. And and I think that now now that he's got this going, and, and we're going to get to this as well. I mean, Brozovic in that deep role is back to his best. This is the best Inter that we have, and how far that will take us, I think this this could take us pretty far in, in Europe, because I don't see Inter winning the Serie A. Uh, I really don't. I think Juve and, 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 and Milan are, are, and, and also Napoli are look better in, in mentally as well, and it's and, and you know from from every aspect. But I, I just don't. I I, I wouldn't be surprised. Like this is this would be so typically Antonio Conte's Inter, almost knocked out two points after three four games in the Champions League, and then go through by the skin of their teeth, and then end up in the final. 
<laughs> you know what I mean? Like it would just be so Antonio well, Conte. Happened to Tottenham in our own group two years ago. Exactly. Final, didn't they? Exactly. With a certain Christian Eriksen. Um, right. Yeah. Let's. Uh, <laughs> when he had hair. Well, when he had hair and he wasn't being bullied by Antonio Conte, who didn't have hair but has hair now. Um, let's uh, let's uh, let's move on to to uh, Bologna. Uh, let's quickly let's talk about that. Uh, or, or quickly let's you know I think we've already touched on it, but can we just give a result? I think two 0 Inter. Uh, what about you, Mo? Against Shakhtar. Yeah, I think a two 0 is good. I think, uh, like you said, uh, it's, it should be more about control and, uh, and and not playing your hand too quick. Um, so yeah, I like a, I like a two 0 uh, but I also resent the fact that uh, Mike uh, lumped me uh, with you, the rest of you guys as being a pessimist uh, or not seeing Inter <laughs> play earlier. <laughs> so uh, so I just uh, I, I would I would like the record to to, to state that. Uh, you are, you are yeah, anyway, the so yeah. soul among us, Mo. I would never, <laughs> never besmirch your honor like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, so, so, uh, so 2-0 uh, for me. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, Mike, what about you? I mean, I'm not trusting Hadanovich to keep a clean sheet at this point. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's. I'm going to say either 3-2 or 2-1. I think it just gets crazy and I think it gets nervy, but Inter do pull it out. What about you, uh, Michael Gallo? Uh I am looking at a 3-1 victory, which is also the score of this Hoffenheim-Augsburg game at the moment. So that's my, <laughs> my score, 3-1. <laughs> well, is that the only reason you're going for that prediction? Just because it's yes, that, I saw two numbers saw and I picked them. That's what it up. was. <laughs> okay, well, in that case, I've got Brighton-Southampton. It says 1-0, so I'll go for 1-0 to win. <laughs> no, I think we're going to win 2-0. I think we're going to win 2-0. I fear that, that that won't be enough given the other result, but I think I do think we'll get this done. Yeah, I think so as well. Right, um, the Bologna game. Let's quickly talk about that as well. Uh, that that was a game where I I've never felt so comfortable and calm watching Inter. I can't even remember. It felt like it was it was Inter were going to win this game, and it didn't matter how how long, uh, you know, what happened. It was just a matter of time before Inter were going to score at least two three goals, and it was awesome to see Ashraf Hakimi uh, play like that. Who together with Milan Skriniar. I mean, all the problems and teething issues that, that of last season with Skriniar, they're gone now. He's adapted to the system, and then that makes me incredibly happy because I think he was close to leaving this summer. We know that he was close to leaving this summer, and I'm glad he didn't, uh, and, and I'm glad that he's adapted. And also Antonio Conte complimented him after the game, um, saying that he's happy for him, that he's adapted really well. Inter have got a good defense going on right now, and Skriniar, you know, when, when Skriniar is, is 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 enjoying his football, it, it only helps the team he plays for. Um, Hakimi was brilliant, uh, man of the match without a doubt, not just for the two goals, but because of everything he op- offers in terms of off the off the ball play, in the, his runs, the way he cuts in, he he he's not a wing back. I mean, he's like a third striker because he also attacks centrally uh, in every attack, and and that's. You know, and when it works, and when you have someone covering for him behind him, they need to have another, you know, have a have a player attacking from deep into the penalty area, and that's, you know, that's that's that can only be good for Inter. But um, overall, there wasn't really that much more to say other than we need to talk about this, the Christian Eriksen thing, which is the big biggest talk talking point, because for the fifth, fourth, fifth game in a row, he brings him on in the 91st minute, and this is not a good look. I don't understand what Antonio Conte is, is playing at here because there is there, he's all obviously going to be asked about this situation because Antonio, you know, you have to remember 
Christian Eriksen is not some 18-year-old making a Serie A debut. This is a guy with over 100 Premier League games, one of the best players in the Premier League. He's an experienced player. He was a marquee signing. It's not the first and last marquee signing to have failed. Raja Nainggolan springs to mind. But to use him like this and the way he looks, he looks like a broken man. And to me, this is unnecessary uh, because it hurts his resale value going into January as well. Um, and and it's it's disrespectful uh, the way I see it. Uh, but I'm but I'm suspecting you disagree, uh, Mo. I'm keen to hear your thoughts. No, look, uh, I I I I have like you say, uh, there's no there's no explaining this. I mean, there must there must be a reason that we don't know. There must be a reason either he's trying to stimulate a reaction from Ericsson, or uh, look, I, I I don't know. I, uh, like the, the the only the only positive spin I could have on this is. This is something he's trying to do to, to somehow uh, reverse psychology, motivate Ericsson somehow, but clearly it's not working either. But also, like you said, it became the talking point of the game. So it might be it might be part of the re- pressure relief of the rest of the squad, of the results taking the uh, taking the spotlight off of the team. I don't I, I don't know I don't know, but it made absolutely no sense to me. I I agree. It's uh it 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 seems like a it's it's clearly intentional, and then when he's asked uh, after the game uh, how what what his rapport is like with Ericsson, he's like it's uh, buonissimo, like the other uh, like the other uh, players, like the rapport to other players. It's I don't know something's up. So I mean something's yeah, clearly up. Some, something is up, and it's it's not a good look because whatever it, it's not good for Inter this because it only hurts his resale value. Look, it, this is also his particular situation the way I see it because. He's Marotta has been very clear. This guy's going to leave. It's clear. The, the divorce, they're going to part ways in January, whether it's permanent or alone, but they're going to part ways in January. And 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 everyone everybody knows this. So the best thing to do is why, you know, don't play him. Let him just train and keep up with it. But bringing him on the 91st minute like this is humiliating to him. And it feels like he's in my opinion, it's it's borderline trying to break play, break a player because it, 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 I mean, his face, he's become a meme now. Christian Eriksen has become a meme. That facial expression on him, he looks empty and, and devoid of joy when playing football at Inter. And, and this, is, this, is, this is unnecessary by Antonio Conte, in my opinion. There's no need for it. This is, this is the kind of stuff he did, that he does when he, when he texted Diego Costa over the summer that he no longer wants him at the club. Like this, this is, these childish antics are so unnecessary. There's no need for them. Um, I don't. I don't understand what he hopes to achieve by doing this, and I don't understand how Inter can stand to gain from him doing this. Uh, Mike, what do you think? Pulici. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just unnecessary, and it's worth noting, you know, with Ericsson that, I mean, the only he's, you know, you mentioned Araj and Angle on how that didn't work out, right? We we look at how what happened that precipitated Cardi's departure. There was clear unprofessional behavior on their part. That has not been the case with Christian Eriksen. The only comments he's ever made on it were during international appearances. And he went out of his way to say, number one, look, he wants to play. Literally every player wants to play. Number two, even though he hasn't played, he in one of those statements, he went out of his way to say, hey, they were playing well without me and winning in the Europa League. I understand it. He has been as diplomatic as you can be about the situation. And ultimately, it's cruel. It's like you said. And it's just Conte's won. He didn't want him. Beppe Morata brought him, brought him in because, you know, brought Ericsson in because it's better for the bigger picture of the club. Now, not only are they going to sell him, but Eric, but 
uh, Beppe's fallen on the sword and, and said, look, it wasn't a fit for the technical project. He's gotten Morata to not only sell the player he doesn't want, but admit it's his fault, essentially. And it still isn't enough. And it just, at a certain point, you, you got to start... It, look, I'm an Ericsson guy, all right? You've all heard me in this podcast. I'm a believer. But it's not even about that. It could be about any player when you treat him that way. It's just unnecessary and it's cruel and it makes you wonder what people see in playing for this guy when that's just not how you should treat people as a human being. Um, yeah. It's it's so disappointing. And I wish – I feel terrible for Ericsson because, you know, again, like if you want to look at how Rajan Angelon acted unprofessionally certain times – Sometimes, you know, when they the policy last summer, I didn't necessarily agree with to send him out alone. I thought it could have contributed to the squad. But at least I looked and said, OK, mm -hmm. I understand the pretext for what this was and why they did this. There isn't that for Erickson. He hasn't played well. Fine. But he's been a professional. Don't do something like that to him. Just sit him on the bench. You don't want to play him. Don't play him. You know, they don't. He doesn't want to play Rachi Nangalan. He doesn't play Nangalan. Right. So just let him sit on the bench for a few more weeks. Let them leave, whether it's permanently or uh, my fingers are firmly crossed that the latest rumor <laughs> of they'll let him go on loan is true because I could I could very much see a scenario in which Conte's done at the end of the year and Erickson comes back on loan and gets a chance to start over with someone new. But either way, just sit him on the bench. If you're not going to play him, don't humiliate him. Uh, agreed. Um, uh, Gallo, do you have a question? What are your thoughts on this? Yeah, quickly. I was actually, it's actually a good point by Mike about the whole you know, potential loan and then Conte being out and then him getting a chance. I never really thought about that that much until, you know, right now. And I actually think if that's, if, if Conte's out at the end of the year, that's a scenario that I would kind of hope would happen because I want Erickson to have a chance with mm. this club. I don't, I don't want him to just come for X amount of months and then just leave and sell him for probably half or, or 70% of what we bought him for. So I mean, I mean, the rumors about Arsenal making a 13 million pound offer for Christian Eriksen is is infuriating, and yeah. this kind of behavior does not, by Conte, doesn't exactly drive that price tag up, um, and 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 I don't get it. This it's just so unnecessary. I mean, it's like uh, it's like Will said a couple of weeks ago about how um, you know it would be like the most inter thing ever to get rid of Ericsson in January, then Conte leaves, and then someone who, uh, Max Allegri comes in who needs a number 10, Christian Ericsson, but he's not there. Like, that, that, that would just be, that would just be the most inter thing ever, and I don't want to see that happen. I would hate if, if I, Conte uh, leaves and we also don't have Ericsson next year. Yeah, yeah Mo? Yeah. What we, yeah. Yeah. How about, uh, anyone fancy a pogba Ericsson swap? Mino Rayo la Becker Inter with Paul Pogba. <laughs> And Antonio Conte, like what are we? What are we? What are we thinking? Your solution. I, I don't to... think the values line up. I think Ericsson's value, because it was twenty million, even though we all knew that there was an artificially low price to bring him in, twenty million sort of between that and his bad form versus Pogba. As much as you know, it's trying Pogba. to nuke Pogba's value today to get him sold. That that, that price is going to be much higher. Pogba is practically fully amortized now. Yeah, I guess, but I just can't because see. he's only he's only got one year and a half left on his contract with yeah. United, and I think I think that that's something that United could look at. Um, I, I really do think so. It's just the, the very idea of Paul Pogba and Mino Raiola at Inter with Antonio Conte um, and and everything else. I mean, it's like, are we trying to build a nuclear bomb here? Like, what are we? <laughs> what, what are we trying to do? Like, this is this cannot end well. And and sure, we know that Pogba's worked well with Conte before. I mean, let's be honest. Antonio Conte launched this guy's career. He's never looked as good ever, Pogba, as under Antonio Conte. Uh, as the same thing goes with Arturo Vidal. So, you know, uh, and, and Pogba is, is, is hardly, you know, uh, past his prime. 
Um, so I don't know. I, I, th I think that's something that could happen. I just don't know if that's something we want to happen. Um, so that's why I'm going to ask you, Mo, do you want it to happen? Look, I want the, I want the Ericsson situation to be resolved. And mm. I, I get Mike's point. I get Mike's point about uh, being an Ericsson guy and Ericsson uh, uh, clearly being a player with a lot of class and, and, and he's you know top whatever in the world. But the fact is, he'd been out of out of uh, favor in uh, Tottenham for about a season before arriving here. He he has been professional in the sense that he's turned up. But wh where does professionalism begin and end for a footballer? If you have clear instructions by the coach, by the manager to do certain roles in a, in a, on the pitch, and you're not able to perform them well, whether it's intentionally or unintentionally because of your abilities, that wh where is professionalism? Is it just turning up for training and and, and doing your best? and then not following instructions on the pitch. I don't know. I don't know. And I don't know if this is the case with Ericsson. But I, 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 I'm, I'm not, I, I don't like to subscribe to this narrative where the Ericsson experiment is clearly Conte's fault. Conte is uh, the reason why Ericsson, uh, Conte can't develop players. He, he doesn't, like, Hakimi is, uh, has developed under Conte. He's progressed under Conte. Skriniar has clearly changed his game under Conte and done so very, very well. Uh, Lukaku is a world beater at the moment, uh, top three, top five, top whatever striker in the world. All happened under Conte. The man knows what he's doing. He's able to develop players, careers. Absolutely. 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 So, so Ericsson really and needs add to, Bastoni to, to that. Up and yeah. Add Bastoni to that, for sure. This goes on. Barella. Barella, Barella yeah. Barella, never looked as good as, yeah, yeah, since he's never looked as good as he has, except uh, when playing for Conte. So, uh, the, the man knows what he's doing. And Ericsson, if, I mean, if he really wants to be committed to this project, needs to do what Skriniar did, which is, you know, eat shit for a while and, and develop, <laughs> learn, and, and express an intention. But I mean, if, if, the, he's, the if he's unwilling to do treated. that, I mean, just uh, treat it. Treat it. You know, yeah, what is treated? Like, you know, Lukaku, Lukaku goes out in the press and says, uh, Lukaku goes out in the press and says, Guys, I want to help Ericsson. He has to learn Italian. We want to help him. We want to... The, the, the team is there. His, his teammates are there to support him. He doesn't even celebrate with the team when, after the final whistle. I understand your, your, your ego took a bit of a beating, but if you really are committed to this project, then you go celebrate this amazing victory at home with your, with your teammates. So there, there has to be some personal responsibility. And, and I'm saying this because I'm not a big follower of the, of, the, of the Premier League and of Tottenham in particular, but I understand that this had been his attitude for about a season or less than, less than a season or so before asking for the, the, the departure from Tottenham in January last, last year. So it, it could be you know, idiosyncratic to his, his, his character, this, this behavior. So if, if his departure means that we bring that complete midfielder the, the, the Vidal that we're looking for in the form of Pogba, who's really going to provide that balance to the midfield that we, we so dearly looked for earlier in the season in, in the other module that Conte was trying to play, not the flat three in the middle, then why not? You know, why not? Uh, that's mm -hmm. all I'm saying. Yeah, I, I see. The thing is, for me, I think he kind of already did because I don't, I, I can't imagine any other midfielder of his caliber would accept for the fifth game in a row being blown up in the 91st minute and like that. I think he, he shut up. He went out there. He did what he was supposed, you know, 
uh, I think he he showed that he's you know that he's a loyal team player. But to ask him to go out and celebrate like afterwards a three a three one this wasn't the Champions League final. This was a game against Bologna at home. There's nothing to celebrate to be honest. I mean, if if it was the game against the Champions League decider to take us through to the group, I'd agree with you even more there. But this was just one of those run of the mill Serie A games that. You know, he won. I, I can understand that he wasn't feeling to celebrate because he felt humiliated. He did his part. He went on there. He didn't complain. He didn't say anything. He did what he was supposed to. And then so so in my opinion, it's it's this is, you know, again, I mean, Antonio Conte, as I said, he's a tactical genius, but he, ha- he can only work with certain, you know, he's an ideologue. He's not pragmatic at all. Uh, and he has to have it his way. If he doesn't, Everything goes to hell and everything. And he's willing to, to let it go to hell because that's just the kind of guy he is. He's like Pep Guardiola that way. It is my way or the highway uh, with, with him, with Pep, with Sarri, with all these ideologues. So the way, yeah, so the way I see it is it, it was unnecessary and I expect more from Conte. And I think it's petty of him to do that. Now, given having said that, Pogba as a player, as I said before, he's never been as good as he was under Antonio Conte. So sure, why not? If if they can if they can get eighty percent of what they did together, it's an improvement for Inter for sure. What about you, Will? It's are you, marching are you f- band. It's marching band or bust with Conte, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> it really is. Um. So are you pro the Pogba Ericsson thing or what's your uh, thoughts? I I, I can't see that Inter and United's valuations would be met. I mean. Manchester United have always have always been asking, you know, upwards of 70, 80 million for Pogba. Um, they are not outwardly saying they want to sell him. So even if he's got a year and a half left on his contract, I don't think they're going to be necessarily um, too accommodating to Inter, particularly when Ericsson isn't exactly a player that they need anyway. Um, that's not really what they're after at the moment, I don't think. Um, so I, I think it's unlikely. If it were to, to happen, then yeah, I, I'd certainly it would certainly be a more functional player. And uh, if we're getting rid of Ericsson, we certainly need to bring someone in. And that's why I don't really believe this this loan theory that we've been advocating in case Conte leaves in the summer. Because if, if Ericsson leaves, then we've already, we're already short of midfielders, really, because out of the eight midfielders that we've got, four of them are basically either out of favour, injured or ignored completely between Sensi, Ericsson, Vecino and Nainggolan. So if we, if we get rid of Ericsson, we definitely need to bring someone in. Um, I, I think Pogba would be an incredible buy, but... Um, yeah, I, 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 I still, don't know. I, I Maybe we hope. can send Pinamonti to Manchester United because he's got Ryler, <laughs> isn't he? Maybe that's what yeah. for Ryler. Yeah, exactly. No, but for me, it's like I look at this and I'm like, Tolisso, Bayern, swap there, all for it. Uh, Pogba, uh, Man United, okay, fine. I mean, as long as you can control Rayola, then, you know, why not? <laughs> you know, but... Um, and I mean, just, just, the, just the very idea of Rayola and Conte getting into an argument is hilarious i mean it's that's that's good tv um but uh but but other than that it's i mean if again conte has shown that he can work with pogba uh he's probably the only one to ever manage to work successfully with pogba um so that i'm fine with that but i mean uh, if if you can cash in on Ericsson, then locatelli is my ideal choice because i think he's he's the next italian super midfielder as well so i don't know there there are options out there but i do agree with what you said will i mean vecino is probably going to leave nangolan is definitely going to leave uh, and so is Ericsson. we need to bring in central midfielder we cannot finish the six this uh, the six months of next season the end of next season we're going six months with three midfielders leaving in january and one only arriving that's just not that's just not going to work. And if you looked at 
Antonio Conte's uh, head movement when he was asked about Stefano Sensi on Friday. That was a pretty firm shake of the head when he kept on repeating that he's not ready. So at the moment, it feels as if we have four uh, serviceable midfielders and that's not enough if we're going to go ahead Absolutely. to win Serie A. Um, just one thing on, on Ericsson. The only half theory that I've heard about why Inter might be doing this or why Conte might be doing this, I suppose it's not right to say that Inter are doing this, um, someone called up on the radio earlier and said, well, you, you, you charlatans, you haven't understood. Basically, I've, I've got it all figured out. Basically, Ericsson's got, a, he's got appearance bonuses in his contract and he's made an agreement with Inter that if he reaches a certain number of appearances, he'll accept whatever destination Inter want and he'll leave quietly. I don't have any uh, theory. Of the, I don't have any information beyond that, but it's the <laughs> only attempt at a possible explanation mm. that I've had so far. Um, I agree. It seems, it seems, it seems very strange, and it's a shame that we're not talking about other things because there would have been other things to talk about. And yet, Conte loves creating friction. Oh, so he loves drama. Here we are. He loves drama. He loves he, drama. He, 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 he needs it almost. <laughs> Leche Trump. I call him that for a reason. Uh, Mike, I want to. I want to hear your opinions, Mike. Uh, Pogba, are you guys for or against the Pogba thing? Michael Gallo, you go first. Uh, I would. I, I'm not. I, I think he's going to go to go back to Juve. That's that's my opinion. Um, yeah. If it, if it could happen to Inter, it's great, but. I really, I just see everything kind of lining up back to Juve. That's kind of where I look at it. Mm. What about you, Mike Pialucci? What do you say? You pro Pogba? I mean, I'd be for it, but I think it's actually Real Madrid. I, I think that's where this has all been. Yeah. To. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, I, I really, you know, Will, Will said what I said. I just don't know how the valuations would work. And again, you know, we didn't even talk about the fit for United. They have Bruno Fernandes. They're, they're not going to need Ericsson. I think we're looking at, this is what's going to be disappointing, any swap deal they can even conjure up, you're getting the worst midfielder back. Whether it's Paradis, whether it's Quarantine Toliso, whether it's Granit Xhaka, please no. Uh, uh, Granit Xhaka and Leandro Paredes would piss me off. Yeah, any, any player. <laughs> right. And so that's my thing. The only reason I think that it's going to be a loan thing, I don't think Inter want that. I just think that this is going to wind This could very well be a scenario where it's the Nangalan thing and the Perisic thing and the Icardi thing all over again of they can't get a buyer at their price to monetize immediately. Jesus. And so, I mean, they've, they've nuked his value. And by they, I mean Conte and Ericsson, to be fair. Ericsson hasn't played, you know, exceptionally. I think he plays better than people give him credit for, but he's not looking like Christian Ericsson. But his value is yeah. tanked. They're not going to get much of a fee for him. So I kind of wonder if this just ends up being they just say, you know what, screw it, loan him out, let's just – try to figure something else out to get another midfielder in in a different way, whether it's a loan, whether it's, you know, a different swap, you know, way to cook the books. I just, I don't know. I, I, as much as we sit here and say it could be a swap deal, it's enough for us to sit here and say that. And then in 60 days time to realize the reality of, wait, the offer was never there. And I could see that happening. Yeah, for sure. Right. Um, we, uh, we, we do play uh, Cagliari uh, away at the lunch, the espresso fixture for you guys over in North America. It's a lunchtime kickoff for us in Europe in this, or in the CET uh, time zone. Uh, Cagliari that is, um, is looking very much like a typical uh, Eusebio Di Francesco team. Uh, they're all over the place. And, and, and I think uh, I'm trying to think how the Inter how the Champions League result will, I mean, in any way, in, definitely affect the mood going into this game. But uh, given how Inter are playing and looking, I think regardless, Cagliari are not good enough to be able to to bother Inter. And for me, I I think this is a this is a fairly easy three nil victory, three one three nil victory. Uh, what, where are you, my uh, Mo, on this? 
I think if uh, we do make it through the Champions League group, uh, unlikely so, uh, then we're going to draw the game. I don't think I think it's going to be a big hangover, but uh, otherwise, I think we're we're like you say, it's going to be a, a straightforward victory. Lukaku on on the score sheet again, maybe even Hakimi if he's not rested. But uh, but yeah, if if we do go through, I would imagine this is a draw. Um, Will, are you do you do you agree with that? Uh, no, I agree with you that Cagliari fundamentally, you know, regardless of what happens in the Champions League, are not in theory good enough to beat Inter uh, or to, to even get a result off them. They've had a lot of problems with with coronavirus this year. We don't know if Diego Godin and uh, Diego um, Diego Simeone, um, Giovanni Simeone, are going to be back from that. They've got a couple of others out as well. Um, only Torino, Benevento, and Crotone have conceded more than them so far this season. Um, you know, I, I I hope that you know this isn't a two trickier win. I've got 2-1 because I, I figure that, you know, it's 12.30 on a Sunday, so uh, it won't be it won't be plain sailing. Um, instantly, I looked to um, at our recent history with uh, 12.30 kickoffs, and our, our most recent 12.30 kickoff was against Cagliari in January, and lo and behold, we dropped points um, with that one-all <laughs> draw with Nainggolan scoring the equaliser. But, no, apart from that, I, I would be very disappointed if this isn't a win, regardless of what happens um, yeah. in... Um, in the the game against Shakhtar, I'm just I'm interested to see um, what Conte does with Hakimi and, and Darmian in these two games because I'm assuming one will play one and one will play the other. But I want to see week, them both. I want to see them both. I want to see Darmian on the left and I want to see Hakimi on the right. And be given that, I mean, we saw what Hakimi can do with his left foot. I want to see them swap sides during the games as well. I think that gives Inter a different, uh, like a like a different tool in their toolbox to have two wing backs that can play on either side because Darmian can play on both right and left, and I think so can Hakimi. I think that's something that, that 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 Inter can use, and I want to play them together. I really, really do. Yeah, fair enough. Um, to to conclude, yes, I think we'll win. I've got two one. Uh, Gallo. Yeah, just just quickly adding to that point about Darmian and Hakimi. I think they're, I mean, I think they're both coming off their best games of the year. Would you guys not agree? No, oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah without yeah, a doubt. absolutely. They, they are like, two. Oh, they're two oh, huge beneficiaries of this system. You know. Hakimi has been playing with his back to goal for a month and suddenly we go back to the old system and he's and he's galloping forward into space and looks like the player that we thought we were signing. So absolutely. Yeah, I, I thought, I mean, obviously Hakimi's was, was more obvious, but even Darmian thought it was his best game of the year too. So it's kind of interesting how they both kind of had them back to back. So it's interesting to see if, if potentially that they could be both playing at the same time. Uh, I definitely welcome that experiment. And definitely if you're playing against Cagliari, I think that's a that's a good maybe time to do it. Uh, depending on how uh, how Shakhtar goes, um, yeah, I, th- I, th- I think they should be comfortable enough to to pull out three points, uh, regardless of what happens mm. against uh, Shakhtar. Agreed. I think I, I would just, uh, I, just yeah, I just said I just wanted to mention one thing that I forgot. Obviously, we play Napoli in a midweek match if I'm not wrong after this game, so I'm expecting Conte to possibly rest someone in defence, and that'll be interesting. So, for the Cagliari game, mm. so. Because these these three are, you know, they're great, but they could, one of them is going to have to stop playing at some point because we've got yeah. some tough games coming up. So that would be interesting if he does go with a Ranocchio or a, or a D'Ambrosio or, or, God forbid, the other one. Um, <laughs> uh, that would be an interesting test for this defence. But he's going to have to the rotate at some point. One. The other one. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I honestly say I, I can't wait for the summer to, for Kolarov to leave, for Ashley Young to leave. Um, for Ranocchia's contract to expire, like seriously, I, 
it's been it's been it's not been pleasant. <laughs> uh, Mike, where are you on uh, on the Cagliari game? I want to push back on one thing and one thing only there, Nemo, which is don't don't group Andrea in with the other two. All right, oh, Froggy. Come on. He's Froggy's a nice been guy. good. No, he's been listen the last year in this system. He's been good as a reserve for what he is. I, if, if you're going to ask me which of those backup center backs I trust, I trust him well before I trust Danilo as a as a center back or Kolarov easily. He does his job. Uh, it's been better than it was before Antonio Conte. I well, stand by. Pos- how possibly could have been worse than it was before Antonio Conte? That, I mean- sure, but but <laughs> I, but I feel like he was good for several killer mistakes every year, and last yeah. year. And so far this year, he hasn't played much this year. But last year, we didn't see those. Uh, he's competent. He's fine as a backup center back. He is good in the room. When Conte sits there and whines about experience, this is a guy who actually brings it and doesn't fuck up. So as far as I'm concerned, he's good by me. Uh, I, I think, think this, you just jinxed. Ranocchio's going to score three on Yeah, goals. probably. You just, you. Inter's not going through the group. Ranocchio is going to let it howler. And Christian Eriksen's going to get sold for 7 million euros. <laughs> Book it all down. It, it can't, given that he doesn't he doesn't trust Pinamonti, it can't be long before Conte follows Spalletti in doing the Ranocchio centre-forward experiment when we're losing oh, a match. No. You know, Spalletti tried that against Bologna, didn't he? And uh, I love that. That's my favorite part of the year is when he goes center forward. So I do think, yeah, I do think Inter win this match. Uh, I I don't feel good at all about that Napoli match midweek after an emotional high or whatever the emotional high or low will be of the Champions League. There will be some emotional reaction followed by a, a weekend game. Uh, I, I'm terrified of that Napoli fixture, but I think Inter will will go in to the Napoli match with some form of momentum, either winning one or both of these next two games. Um, put me down for a 3-1 win. And I'd say the thing that I'm here to watch, uh, Hakimi's part of it, the other part of it, uh, and we saw both of them, not just on Saturday, but last week in the Champions League too, Brozovic and Hakimi. Like at the point when Conte wants to exile Eriksen, we go back to 3-5-2, that's all well and good. But this only works if one or both of them is creating because there are not many creative outlets left in this team behind the forwards. Clearly, all three of the strikers can make some magic. I would say after them, these two are the next best options. And for Brozovic in particular, I mean, right now, I think Brozovic is I'm cautiously optimistic. He's getting back into form the way he's played the last couple of weeks. But right now, I think we can all safely say the only midfielder we trust week in, week out is Nikola Barella. If, if Brozovic can come back and look like Brozovic circa 2018 and the first part of last season, then that will be massive for Inter going forward. He looked good in the first half against Bologna, that's for sure. Absolutely. That pass was beautiful. I sit here and I whine about nobody creating opportunities to the middle, and then he did it. He created one of the best ones, maybe the best one from a pass all year. Yeah, for sure. Right, uh, let's move on to the part of the show where we pay tribute, rip the piss out of, and criticize someone or something heavily in the world of football, starting with uh, the Frog of the Week, which was presented by Mr. William Beckman. Yeah, there's a Cagliari link to this week's frog as well, because it's a, a player who used to play for Cagliari back in the, the distant 2015. Um, it's Duje Chop, who I'm nominating for this week's Frog of the Week award. He's currently playing uh, in Belgium for Standard Liège, and uh, he had a very uh, unfortunate night in the Europa League on uh, Thursday. They were playing Rangers. Uh, it was one all in the first half and he scored the goal to make it 2-1 just before half time. But in doing so, he had the ultimate nightmare football experience. Um, 
he, he there was a cross that came in from the the right hand side he threw himself towards the back post to uh, knock it in and he succeeded but in doing so he managed to clatter into the post with his legs either side of said post and you can imagine Ow. the pain that Ouch. followed um i tweeted a video of it at the time because it's the kind of thing that um, I thought that other people needed to experience as well as myself. Any <laughs> I male saw that. Watch that uh, cannot wince, cannot watch that without wincing. Um, it was horrible. There was a very famous episode of um, Phil Babb playing for Liverpool in the Premier League 20 <laughs> years ago when he, he actually was, he, his was a bit different because he was actually on the floor sliding towards Ugh. the post, whereas this one was kind of, he was at least stood up here. But um, yeah, Trot went down in, in agony and he had to be taken off and it wasn't even worth scoring because they ended up losing. So that's probably the extra frog um, uh, uh, ingredient for this week. Um, so, you know, it was very unfortunate, but it, that's that's really sort of um, frog territory, I'm afraid. So oh, that's, I'm going that's very it. much frog territory. I'd, I'd say that's very frog territory. Um, let's uh, move on to something uh, much uh, a bit more negative. This week's Moji, which we presented by Mr. Mike Pilucci. The actual answer is the whole subbing in Ericsson to break his spirit in the 90th minute thing, because that's just mean. And I think that Luciano Mochi is a mean guy. Um, <laughs> but, it, you know, having done that, let me just say, uh, and this this breaks my heart to say this, because I don't think there is a, I've been an Inter fan for about 17 years now. I don't think there is a player who has deserved good times more and probably will not get them than Samir Handanovic. So I hate saying this, I do, but it's it's gotten untenable. And I, I say I bring it up this week because that disallowed third goal uh, against Gladbach mm. was a pass. It was it was a it was a pass of medium velocity in terms of what that shot basically <laughs> looked like. And yes, there were screeners, but it even it, it, so it Samir Hondanovic two years ago gets that ball. Not even not even Samir Hardanovic at age 28. Samir Hardanovic two years gets to that ball, and he can't even manage to move over and react fast enough. You know, Nima said it the other, you know, a few days ago when we were talking on Twitter that it felt like he moves in slow mo now, and and that is how it is, and it, it's just heartbreaking to see this because he he's stuck through a lot of terrible terrible times, and he deserves a Javier Zanetti esque great moment in the sun, but I just don't think that can happen with him in net anymore. And it's ironic that we are sitting here thinking about this because I remember when Inter bought him and it, I remember thinking as a lot of Inter fans did, well, Julio Cesar still has some time left. Let's not do this. Why are we pushing out Cesar to bring in a younger keeper? But the reason Inter did it, and it was one of the few good moves the club was yeah. making at the time was you don't want to be a year too late. You want to be a year too early. We were a year early with Julio and sure enough, once he left, he didn't have much left in the tank. They're now a year too late on Samir Andanovic, and it is painful. And one of these storylines the rest of this year is going to be how much can Inter work around this? How much can the defense compensate for him? Because there was a time, again, not even four or five years ago when he was among the best keepers on the planet, even two years ago when Samir could reliably still bail you out of matches. Now you have to work around him, and it pains me to watch what he's become, and it hurts, but the truth is, they can't rely on him. I don't think they're going to rely on Radu anytime soon. This will not be resolved until the summer. And so we all have to collectively cross our fingers and, and just hold on for dear life that the next five months, the mistakes can be worked around because there will be mistakes. Mm, agreed. It's really sad to see. Um, let's move on to something much more positive uh, this week's uh, Moratti, which we presented by Mr. Michael Gallup. 
He's, he works a lot, he's intelligent, and he surprises people sometimes with his ideas. Not easy to find one person of this quality. As I am about to tell you guys the Moratti of the week, I'm on the Inter website and I see a picture of Hendanovic, Niangolin, and Ashley Young. They're all dressed in Christmas clothes. <laughs> and they all have gifts, wrapping gifts. And you got to look at Niangolin's face wearing these clothes and the hat and the gift. It it is very awkward. I love it. When I when it's I when great. I saw it, I wanted to I wanted to tweet at him saying, "Blink twice if you need help." Like that, <laughs> that's how he looks. He looks so miserable in that photo. Yeah. At least Handanovic is smiling, but Ashley Young doesn't look like he wants to be there either. But it's a no, definitely. No, a... looks miserable. Like <laughs> he, he he looks like he's been kidnapped. Like it really is. Blink twice if you need help. Like he... <laughs> Yeah, is that smile uh, from Hand- Is that photoshopped? That smile from Handanovic. <laughs> Credit to whoever, whoever got him to pose for that. Oh, he was he was definitely not agreeing to that. He had to be paid extra to do it or something. It's it doesn't look good. Um, so our uh, our Moratti of the week. Um, look, uh, a couple of weeks ago, obviously we saw Maradona pass away. It was very uh, you know unfortunate. You know, he's I, I think he's the greatest player to ever ever play the game uh even though he had a shorter career but i will say that uh it was a great gesture that the city of naples and uh de Laurentiis they decided to name uh the san paulo uh as the diego armando Maradona the stadium uh i know it was kind of reported when he, when he passed away but they just made it official a couple of days ago um i think it's a great gesture to him and he deserves it and uh you know Laurentiis had a had a quote saying i believe it is the right to name the San Paolo Stadium after you so we can keep you with us as a witness to the excellent path this team has taken. So it's going to be great to see that the stadium that, you know, has been such a great fixture in, in Serie all, all these years is now named after one of the greatest players, if not the greatest player of all time. So it's uh, it's great to see, and I'm, and I'm happy they did it. Amen. Amen. Right, uh, that's all we had time for this week. I'd like to thank Chris uh, Williams for joining us, and also you, Mr. M- Mr. Positivity, Mo Nassar. Thank you very much. It was a great episode. Look forward to, uh, I mean, hopefully six points, huh? Yeah, for sure, because um, I'm also getting a little bit positive. Uh, I don't know. I, I'm probably going to be disappointed, but but I'm, 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 I'm carefully optimistic. Um, Will, uh, thank you so much. Thank you. I'll join you on the fate, ill-fated positivity train for this week. <laughs> Sounds good. Um, Mr. Michael Gallo. Thanks for having me, guys. And uh, we've got a Slovenian ref against Shakhtar, so Handanovic may be able to swing him a little bit. So that's good news. <laughs> Mr. Mike Pellucci. Always a pleasure, boys. Let's hope we're celebrating this time next week. Uh, absolutely. And as always, I'm your host, Nimatoyle Rutsari, wishing you good a good week. Stay safe, health for you and your loved ones. Six points and sempre e solo forza Inter.